Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, before we get started with my guest tonight, I just want to uh, let you know that there are a couple books that have released. Um, J.M. Winchester's book, All the Lovely Pieces, are, um, are out now, is out. Um, really great book. She's a fabulous writer. You also know her by the name of Jennifer Snow. So that's all the lovely pieces. Also, John Gilstrap, who was my guest last night, uh, his book's now out in the wild, A Little Mayhem. I highly recommend it. But now let's get to my guest. Um, uh, Richie, is it Narvez? Am I saying it the right way, Richie? Narvaez. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Excellent. so Richie, yeah. Richie dropped me a, a. Hello? Hello? Oh, and I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Did we get cut okay. off? Okay. I didn't. I hear you perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> so good. So I don't. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so Richie sent me a PM in Facebook and said, I have this really cool book coming out. And Richie's really well known for a lot of his short stories. He's been published everywhere. He's also a professor. So his new book um, is called Hipster Death Rattle. So Richie is here with me tonight. Hi, welcome to Authors on the Air. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about you because by the sounds of it, everything you've done has been in and around New York that you've lived there forever is that true yes yeah ever since I was I was born and raised in uh, Brooklyn and uh, I moved the farthest I've moved away is to Jersey City and that was traumatic so was um, it? yes it's just it was just so different I just I think New York City is so much in my DNA that living anywhere else is just it just doesn't work so yeah it's what I it, it's where I live and it's everything I write about is New York City. You certainly have um, a great place to choose. Pick up a newspaper, and you didn't even have to think of a of a you know a storyline. You just grab it right out of the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're also yeah. a, a college professor, aren't you? Yes, I teach. Uh, I teach uh, creative writing. Uh, and business writing at the uh, Fashion Institute of Technology over on West 27th Street in Manhattan. So what fashion writing? Oh, no, God, no. Uh, no oh, it's, uh, okay. it's, it's a fashion institute, but it's, it's uh, students who go, uh, you know, they're very creative. Uh, they oh, they okay. want to go into fashion careers, sometimes film careers. It's a very broad school uh, just based in the, the old fashion district of New York City. Uh, so, I uh, I, yeah, I, I teach business writing, you know, how to write a memo, how to get your uh, resume done, um, wow. practical stuff, but also, yeah. uh, I do creative writing, how to do short stories. And I also teach a class in writing a mystery and crime fiction. So, um, it's actually, it's quite a, it's quite a lot of fun. The students are great. Uh, and I really enjoy teaching. Now, I, I, we, we started talking about your short stories. You've done an awful lot of short stories. Um, Hipster Death Rattle, which we'll get to in a second, is your actual full-length novel, the first one that you've written, correct? Right. Yes, my first novel. So, well, I did write a novel in college, but we shall not speak of that. That was – no one shall read that. <laughs> but this is the first one. This is the first one I've gotten published. I finished and published, yes. Um, the one that shall never be spoken about is, is that at the bottom of your desk drawer? 
Yes, it's a matter of fact, it is. It's printed out and it's hidden, covered with dust, not to be seen, perhaps to be opened uh, by historians in, in several hundred years. But yeah, that's just, um, you know, the kind of novel that a lot of uh, young people write when uh, their first novel, uh, a bit of a mess, you know. So um, did you try to get that published? Oh, no, no. I knew I knew after I finished, I did it to uh, fulfill the requirements for my master's degree. Uh, you had to write some uh, full length thing. And I finished it. Uh, my advisor was, you know, uh, maybe not that enthusiastic about it, but, but, I, but I had finished it. I had finished it, which was a really big deal, you know, to finish sure. a thing. I think a lot of people who struggle with writing don't. I mean, the big thing is like they've got great ideas. They maybe can get the first few chapters done, but they can't finish so uh, I was very happy to get that done. Uh, the thing is, I kind of forgot how to do that for about 20 years. Uh, and then I wow. came back with Hipster because, you know, things happen. Um, and uh, but, yeah, it, it takes a while to really learn that process and get the, those kinds of muscles, I guess, the, those writing muscles yes. to finish something. Yes, yes. So short stories are a really get, good way to tell a story in a smaller a uh, uh, number of pages or a smaller amount of words, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, it's a nice way. With, the thing about the novel, uh, writing a novel, is you have this, I guess, this giant thing, all these details that you have to carry around in your head. It's very, you have to, it's like a giant thing that's hovering above you that you constantly have to spin all these wheels. Where with a short story that's nice, it's compact, you can see the beginning of the end and the end of it fairly clearly. Um, so, uh, I kind of, so far I, I really prefer writing short stories because I can say something in a short amount of space and it's not going to take me five years to get it done. Right. So, um, how do you imagine those, um, writers who put, you know, four or five books a year out, how do they do that? Do you think? They have some sort of time travel device, I'm guessing, (laughs) uh, or something with a pocket universe. Where they can go in there, and that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Uh, or there's there yeah. may be an app for that. Um, some people though, there are people who who they just they're like going back to the muscles. Their muscles are great with yeah. doing that kind of writing. Like I can turn out a short story in a weekend, and that might be really really difficult for somebody else. But that's what I've sort of trained my muscles to do. But there are people who they just they can do the novel. They can see that whole big monster that I was talking about, and they can turn it out. They just—they're just—that's what they're good at. Um, and some people are—they're—they're are, they're amazing at it. Uh, there's a, what was that? There was a woman, uh, 60 Minutes, did a thing of her. Uh, Daniel Roberts, is it? And she uh, would write her own stuff. Daniel Steele. Daniel Steele. Uh, turn and turn out book after you're, book after book. You're, you're thinking of Nora Roberts and Daniel. Nora Steele, Roberts. So. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm conflating them. Sorry. Sorry to both yeah, of them okay. who are probably they're listening. They're listening right <laughs> no, now, and I don't want to insult them. Too, too big for me. Uh, the the La Nora Nora Roberts is also writes under a pen name for her for her thrillers and suspense. But right. um, I but I have to tell you something that there are writers I've spoken to who mm-hmm. can crank out full length novels but mm-hmm. can't for the life of them do a short story. Yes, I've it, heard it, that. I, it, it's yeah. too it's too concentrated for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I'm not sure why that is. So so what is the difference 
story building wise with a short mm. story versus a novella or novel length story? Oh wow! This it, it could, we could, I could talk about this for a long time. The uh, a short story, the structure of all stories is basically um, some sort of mystery that has to be resolved. Something is put up in the first few <laughs> sentences, uh, first few paragraphs that has to be uh, thought out. With a novel, that's a big rambling thing, and you have plot A, plot B, plot C, plot D, all these things to uh, give uh, an epic structure to the novel. Um, and it just it builds along with a short story. You've got the plot A and plot B. You do anything more than that, you're 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 getting into trouble. You're pushing your short story into novelette, novella mm-hmm. territory. So it's it's about uh, deciding how many plot threads that you're really working with. Um, right. And then you know not not trying to do too much. Uh, when you're doing a novel, there, there really you have to put your character through a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of things. A short story, you don't have the time to do that. So right. you learn to cut and to say, oh, I could go into uh, this detective's backstory now, and I can tell the whole reason why he talks this way and why he has this kind of office. But you realize, you know what? I don't need it. It would be nice right. and colorful for the novel. But for the short story, sorry, folks, you're not going to get that. I may give you a hint of it. I'll suggest it, but that is not important because this plot, this plot that I'm on, that's the most important thing at this point. Now, a short story is primarily all action. There's whether it's dialogue or some kind of character movement, um, mm-hmm. it is all action. It's all, you're always pushing the story forward. You don't get a chance to look at the scenery or anything like that unless it's absolutely right. germane to the story. How many right. words is a short story typically? Oh, well, the modern short story, you're talking about 5,000 words, and that's usually what most publications want to accept. Um, the, what's popular now, of course, is the flash fiction story that's getting uh, – right. Um, very popular with publishers. Right. I think it's um, uh, it's easy accessible for our society now, where they said we have a, a diminished attention span. Uh, but sure. the flash fiction story is is the the short story with even more of what you're talking about, even more cut out. You know, right. uh, you barely have time to even say any descriptions about anything. Uh, the plot or whatever theme you're trying to go for is so primary and you only have maybe a thousand words, 1200 words at tops to get your point across and to just convey an emotion or some sort of feeling. Um, It's like all action or all mood, depending on what kind of flash fiction story you're going for. Right. I I often hear those when I'm at a noir at the bar. Um, People come prepared with a thousand words. I, I mean, I've seen them as little as 700 to me, that is a writing sprint to keep your brain in gear. You were talking about you know, your muscle memory. I mm. think if you can write flash fiction, then you can certainly graduate to short stories and novels because that's a brilliant mind that can put together a story in that few amount of words. Do you agree? Yeah, I think um, flash fiction writing is doing everything you're doing for the other two types, short stories and novels, in a very concise way. Uh, yes. Some people prefer doing it that way. It's almost poetic. But if you can do that, if you can, if you can get the sense, uh, if you can carry that sense of a plot and sense of a theme, sense of some sort of emotional um, 
uh, climax within 700 words to 1200 words, then yes, you could bring that to a novel. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it just depends on disciplining yourself differently and then building it out. You know, as yeah. opposed to just building one room in your house, you're going to build a house. Right. It's the haiku of crime fiction for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, now you've won a Feintingler Award for uh, a best anthology short story collection um, in 2013, I believe it was. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, and that you've also for, uh, been, and Book Riot has mentioned you of 100 must-see works of, of noir so yeah. um let's, that let's that was both to... for uh Roach Killer and other stories. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. I, that's the one I wanted to find out. Um Okay. When when you put together an anthology, is it your short story collection or are you at inviting others to participate in a collection oh. of short stories? Well, no, with that one with Roach Killer, I decided um I was I was working with a small publisher, and they said, "Hey, what do you got?" And I said, "I want I have an idea for a novel." And Hipster was an idea then. But I wanted opportunity publisher interested in my stuff, so I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I've got about a dozen short stories that I've gotten done. Would you be willing to look at an anthology that I've done of my stuff?" So that was just uh, Rose Kill and other stories in, in, were my short stories, and then I'm doing I'm actually doing that again next year for a book coming out in June called Marjorican. Um So I so what is the difference between crime fiction and noir? Oh well, there's a that's a big argument. That's so uh, we can yeah. get into yeah get into a go into one of these crime fiction conferences go to the bar and start a good fight if hey. you say well noir is this and crime fiction is this I uh, I actually have a pretty strict definition which is uh, which can be unpopular noir is tragedy it is not a private eye story per se right. I think well, what happens is it could be a private be. story if he's the right. character who's who's in his own way, correct? Right, right, exactly. Who basically is complicit in his own destruction. Yes. And he cannot walk away a happy person, he or she. Right. If the if the, the private eye walks away and just feels bad, you know, for example, like in Red Wind and by, by Raymond Chandler, he just feels bad yes. about yes. the world. That's not noir. That's just a, a, a typical uh, hard-boiled story. Mm-hmm. But if at the end of the story he is psychically destroyed, his life will never be the same, or he's dead, that's noir. And if you read anything by uh, – things by James Cain, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Thompson stuff, uh, that, that stuff is very noir. Right. Um, yeah, where the, and the protagonists often are detectives. They're everyday people. And they overreach, you know, their goals for – they're just not satisfied with life, so they go overreach the status quo. And because of their hubris, their ego, their greed, whatever, they come to a tragic end, and that to me is noir. And I think so, what happens is – yeah, go ahead. Uh, continue. I'm interested in hearing oh, so, what you say. Well, what happens is – what happened, I think, is a film noir – Mm-hmm. Uh, covered covered a lot of that same ground, but film noir 
different from literary, literary noir, at least, at least to me, at least in my opinion. So uh, literary noir is, is the tragic. And I think a lot of readers and crime fiction writers will say, well, you know, it's, it's just like a Fred McMurray movie or a Humphrey Bogart movie. But that to me is film, film noir. That's not literary right. noir. And, and that really – film noir was actually taken from the French style of filmmaking and generally yes. it was in black and white. Yeah, German expressionism, you mean? Hello? Sorry. Yeah, hello. You uh, cut yeah. out again. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh! I thought it was you because I, I can hear me and I can hear part of you. Oh, it, it uh, might be me. So, Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. That's okay. So, um, which do you prefer to write, or do you like both crime fiction and noir? Uh, I, I like doing both, uh, and then I, I do realize, like the upcoming collection I have is all noir, so it's all fairly mm-hmm. tragic. But I put the last story in the collection is, is not noir, and I say that on purpose because. It gets depressing after a while. Yeah, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, there's only yeah. there's only so much. If you if you watch a lot of the film noir from 1950s, a bunch of them in a row, and then you go out and try to go to a party and have a good time, it just it just puts you in the wrong psychological state. I'm you sure. doubt any. You have no hope for humanity whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you know, like every everybody's getting alcoholic. They're all out for themselves. Uh, you know, this is all going to end up badly. So it's not really, uh, it's not, certainly not an optimistic way of going about uh, about your existence. So I like switching it up. I like switching it up. I certainly love playing in a noir pool, but I don't. I don't want to stay there for too long because I think it just leaves your heart covered in tar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it can change your psyche. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you now about hipster death rattle, but the first thing I, I want to ask you, and I've tried to get a good description of this by kind of asking the hive mind out on social media. What mm-hmm. is a hipster versus a hippie or someone who's ah. hip? So, ah, so well, you know, there's, there's those three words and all of them mean something different. I know mm-hmm. what, Hey man, you're really hip. I know what that means. I remember yeah. the hippie days myself, but I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure what a hipster is. Oh, uh, well, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's sort of, it's almost like noir. It's, uh, it's almost like pornography. You know it when you see it, you know, um, it's, it's almost uh, an individual definition, but I think the popular connotation of hipster that I was going for uh, comes from the nineties where you had people who looked like hippies uh, and kind of had that similar, similar aesthetic and similar worldview, but were kind of not kind of pretending to be part of that. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, being snarky about it, insincere, uh, and just growing out the hair and going to art things and saying they were artists, but not really being artists. And I think that's where a lot of the hatred in our culture for hipsters comes from. There's this sort of weird insincerity. These hipsters like obscure music for no reason. They like they they like things before they were cool. And of course, this is a stereotype. You know, sure. I'm sure that there are people like this, but it's the stereotype of the hipster. Um, right. That I'm I'm, poke, I'm poking fun at in the book, and I'm hoping also not just I'm not uh, uh, pushing the stereotype, but saying that you know uh, it, it's broader than that. 
Um, I guess I uh, live in a yeah. very small city right now that really doesn't yeah. have an epicenter. You know, oh, there is a downtown where I live, but it's a it's small compared to growing up in Miami. I'm not sure I would know a hipster if I saw one. <laughs> you know, I, I to, the way you make it sound is like someone who's kind of the antithesis of what the hippie movement was about. You know, right. they li- like the look, but they don't have the idea of, you know, free love, free speech, and, you know, great music, it's Woodstock, it's all those things, so that's the impression I get, although, honestly, I don't know if I would, if I would recognize someone like that, maybe it's because I live kind of a quiet existence, except for (laughs) on the radio, so let's talk about Hipster Death Rattle, your new book, because Mm -hmm. once again, your work is set in New York, um, right. in Williamsburg and Brooklyn. So, and you are using detectives. Is this a theme for you in your writing using detectives? Um, no, well, in writing crime fiction, I think, um, generally the audience expects some detectives on some level. There are two types of detectives in the book. Actually, I do have police detectives and then have right. a reporter who is technically an amateur sleuth. Um, And uh, I did that to sort of broaden the audience for the book, but also I wanted to have as many different uh, perspectives in the book as Uh possible because with the issues that the book touches on, gentrification and everything, it's important to hear from as many of the people who live there as possible so it doesn't come out just um, monochromatic in a way. Uh, So, Uh yeah, but writing about detectives, I do that from time to time, not too much. Um, I like I have some private eye stories, some cop stories, but for the most part, it's just regular people getting into trouble. But so this, bo- this book definitely can, has the detective. I'm sorry. Yes. Before you tell us about the story, I just want to let listeners know that um, Richie's not a slacker. Let me tell you what some of writers you know have said. Um, Richie has created something that's been missing from recent fiction, a vivid, loving look at City Living from the Street View, that by the one and only Sarah Paretsky, who is just wonderful. Um, yes, lovely woman. Just, yeah. She's terrific. You know, I've had the joy of meeting her. She's wonderful. Um, fierce and funny with a light touch that masks your biting social commentary from Reed Farrell Coleman, who's another mm-hmm. really great guy. Um, yes. a, a compelling writing style from Lawrence Kelter, who, who, who actually wrote My Cousin Vinny, Um, so not too shabby there. And then you have a really nice um, blurb from Alex Segura, a a dear friend who will be on the show next week, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. And he, yeah, he says, well, he he comes on every time he has a book. I insist. (laughs) I twist twist his arm. Um, You, he says you write with panache. I really like that a lot. So (laughs) you've, and, and you were given – you got a really nice little blurb from Mystery Tribune, Tribune also. Mm-hmm. So tell us the story of Hipster Death Rattle. Uh, I mean, did you summarize the book a little bit or talk about this genesis? Whatever um, you want to do. This is well, It's your um, story to tell. Okay. Well, I'll just – in general, the book is about in Williamsburg, Brooklyn – it is a very trendy neighborhood for, you know, you, you may know, not know because you're, you're in Florida, um, right. but it's sort of an epicenter of people who, let's say, pretend to be cool. Uh, okay. And what's happened, it was a fairly working class neighborhood before. It was a blue collar working class neighborhood before. And because of the, the hipsters that moved in because of the cheap rent, um, 
gentrification took place. And so there was a lot okay. of class tension. And that's, that's the subtext of the book. What's happened is there's somebody's going around the neighborhood with a machete and slashing up hipsters. Um, and it wow. looks like they're doing it in order to make the neighborhood less palatable to real estate investment. And at the same time, there's a missing person, uh, an old woman who was living in a rent-controlled apartment who it seems was harassed by her landlord uh, and pushed out. But she's disappeared. And so our protagonist, Tony Chino Moran, is going to try to find her, despite him being kind of a slacker and not really wanting to do it. But he's pulled into the case by his mother and by his ex-girlfriend, who is a community lawyer. Does that make sense? Does that sound interesting in some way? Well, I tell you what, your your first description of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, brought me immediately back to South Beach when I lived in Miami because I used to live in South Beach. So it sounds exactly like that because South Beach used to be where all the folks from New York came and moved Mm -hmm. into tiny little apartments along this beautiful beach line and for several streets out. And now, of course, it is a very trendy night spot. Mm. And um, and so with the lights on, though, and during the day, it kind of doesn't look that great. But at night, you sure wouldn't <laughs> know. The, yeah. And I think there's a there. Oops, sorry, you went out again. Completely, because these little tiny Art Deco places on South Beach were yeah. very quaint and very cute. And it's soon as somebody decided South Beach was the place to go, all those quaint, cute little teeny apartment houses that looked in this Art Deco style were really wiped mm. out and, and purchased and remodeled. It's, there's neon everywhere and flashing lights. You you don't go out. If you're going to out, out at night on South Beach, you don't go till 11 or 12 o'clock. You know, mom, some places don't even open till then. And then wow. they stay open till six. Yeah. So um, I, I totally got the vibe as soon as you Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the similar thing has happened. I mean, that's what gentrification does, and it's happening all over the country. You have a neighborhood that has this wonderful flavor, um, either because of the architecture or because of the people. And so you have these people that come in who, you know, and and, uh, it's not a malicious thing. I don't want to say that about hipsters, that they're being mean. They're just coming in because they do kind of think it's cool or because it's cheap, but they don't realize that just by moving in, they changed the thing that they that they liked about it. The most and about they ra- it. The most about it. And right. then they raised the rents, and the people who live there have to go. Right. And that Because cre- they can't afford to live there anymore. So right. that creates a lot of tension. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening all well, over I, the country. I read your book, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, you, Thank you. You have um, – you, it's, it moves along at a nice, fast pace. For me, that's really important. Um, the, the dialogue is real important to me, so that when so much so that I don't want to have you, a, a writer say, you know, he said this and she said that. I want to know that the voices for each of the characters are different, and that you don't have to identify who's saying what, but just by their intonation or their their dialect or their the timbre or the tone or the vocabulary mm-hmm. that they're using identifies who they are. So I really enjoyed it. it and for sure, I hope that you write Thank another you. one. It's, it's, Thank it's, you. It's Thank a, you so much. It's a terrific book. Yes. Thank and, you. Um, you're very welcome. What's next on your agenda? 
So uh, I do have a YA book that is making the rounds of publishers, uh, and it's based in New York, and it's based in 1979. Uh, and then I'm going to do another book of short stories. It'll be out. That's definitely coming out next year in June uh, called Noir Eurekan, and then it'll be all noir stories. And then uh, I want to do uh, another novel. Uh, I just have to find the time. But uh, I'll definitely do, do another novel soon. Well, let me ask you about putting together a novel. I would imagine, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I would mm -hmm. imagine for you, because you really like the short story format, do you, you get an idea about a character and then build a story around a character? Yeah, it's always character-based. Uh, yeah, okay. no, it's character-based. I mean, sometimes it's a character and a situation, and right. the, 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 that juxtaposition is, is automatically creating conflict, and it's just fun to see where that's going to go. Uh, but yeah, it's generally character based because that that's what makes the story interesting. What's going to happen to this person? Um, right. And also making use, sure that we care about them, huh? Do you use the same format in writing a full length novel? Do you have an idea of your character, or do you have the situation in your mind and then form your characters into the book? Uh, with the novel, it's a little different because again, like, yeah. there's so many so many uh, uh, dishes or plates to spin. Um, sure. So it starts off with a couple of characters, and yeah, I want to see where they're going. But then after a while, I, I become a, a plotter, and then it's like, well, I really need a, a kind of, let's say, a gruff person here to give uh, my hero a little trouble. And uh, sure. then, the, so I create the character to fit the situation. Uh, but yeah, the main one, the main characters, the main protagonists are usually the ones I start off with. But I, I will say sure. with uh, with the, with hipster death rattle, I did the, a lot of it came from wanting to write about the situation of gentrification first, and then right. trying to find a way to say something. How to how to say something about that? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Richie, will you tell everyone where they can find you on the webs and in social media, please? Oh, yes. You can find me on www.richinarvaez.com. Just for those of you who have uh, – it's a tough name. It's N-A-R-V as in Victor, A-E-Z as in Zebra. And well, I'm on – uh, If you speak Spanish, it's not that hard. You'll understand right. what I'm saying. You know, you grew up right. in Miami. You, 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 you have to hablo no matter what. So. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I'm on Instagram. I'm RNZ1000. And I am on uh, Twitter, uh, Richie uh, underscore Narvaez. There you go. Richie, I'm so glad that you came on the show. Will you come back again when you get your uh, next book out? I I'd love of to course. talk to you again. All right. Thank you so much, Pam. Yes, thanks for having me I on. I I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, folks, the book is Hipster Death Rattle. You can get it online anywhere. From, it's from Down and Out Books, my friends up the street from me who live just, just up the coast from me. And this is Richie Narvaez. And thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm -hmm.